Ladies and gentlemen, Privitanie, guten Tag and welcome to a new episode of our podcast. We are back after quite a long break and very much has happened in the meanwhile and so much is going on these days that we decided to resume this format. Our intention is to provide you with insights, backgrounds and opinions on what is going on in Belarus and each of our episodes wants to focus on one pertinent particular question. My name is Jakob Wernstein and I'm the director of Konrad Adenauer Stiftung's Belarus office. These days everybody is obviously focusing on the war in Ukraine that the Russian Federation launched upon this country, a war of aggression, but a particular feature of this war is that tanks and missiles are invading Ukraine from the north through the territory of Belarus. Just to remind you, just a few years ago Belarus saw its own foreign policy identity as a country that provides spaces for negotiations and is a donor of regional stability. How has that changed? So the question for today is, is Belarus now an aggressor state? And to resume a good tradition of this format, we don't want to discuss this question on our own, but we have two very competent guests with us, two experts on Belarus. First of all, Dr. Richard Astapenia, the uh, director of the Belarus Initiative at Chatham House and the research director at the Center for New Ideas based in Warsaw. And secondly, with us we have Pavel Slunkin, who is a visiting fellow of the European Council on Foreign Relations and a former diplomat of Belarus. Pavel, you were based in Ukraine until just a few days ago. Now you had to leave the country with your family to Poland. Please tell us, first of all, how are you doing personally? This was the second uh, time when I had to leave the country where I live uh, in two last years. So first I needed to flee from Belarus and then I found a new home uh, in Ukraine uh, and then the war comes. So Putin wanted to catch me there. So I need to find a new place to where to live. So for, for now it's Poland. Pavel, you were not the only person from Belarus who was seeking refuge in Ukraine, but tens of thousands, even up to a hundred thousand people is the estimate of Belarusians uh, were staying in Ukraine. What can you tell us about their destiny? I, I would maybe symbolically characterize this with a phrase found on the internet that Belarusians now feel uh, like Jews and Hitler at the same time. So they are the citizens of uh, an aggressor state. And at the same time, those who fled the country for political reasons, they are, of course, persecuted and they they like the, they're victims at the same time of the regime and of those negative emotions about Belarusians uh, around. So um, the, the Polish government is helping and the EU is helping very much to the refugees that are e Ukrainian citizens, but they, it seems, are forgetting that there are dozens of thousands of Belarusians who found uh, a safe place in Ukraine and they are also refugees uh, from the war. But the um, uh, legislative procedures, the documents that they accept, they, they don't really uh, pay attention to this problem. Thanks, Pavel. I think this is a very important message to European bureaucrats if they're listening uh, to this now. Don't forget about the Belarusians who were stranded in Ukraine. But let's move over to the topic of this conversation. You already mentioned this word aggressor state. Pavel, can you give us a short introduction what to make of the situation that Belarus finds itself in? It depends on who we understand by Belarus now, because from my point of view, we have two Belarusis now. The, the one is represented by the Belarusian regime, and the second one is there most of the Belarusian population who wouldn't like Lukashenko to have uh, him as a president and who wouldn't like to participate in a war and to give the territory for an aggressor and aggression against against Ukraine. So I would say that one Belarus is now is truly a hostage and a victim of, of the other Belarus. Uh, 
uh, and if we are talking about the, how uh, regime, how their subject, international uh, actor, uh, an official one acts, and then then Belarus would be, uh, I guess, represented by by Lukashenko, and uh, his actions they, they just don't give us any alternative. He is helping the aggressor to attack Ukraine, and from the international law, it means that uh, he he's the same aggressor. Uh, we know that um, an estimated 30,000 Russian troops have been on the territory of Belarus since February, uh, allegedly preparing for the drills, and then they just stayed there. Uh, I don't think that Lukashenko can and could control them, but it doesn't matter uh, now as far as uh, the, the aggressor uh, is coming from, from Belarus to Ukraine. But is it true that Lukashenko learned himself about this war from the media, that he was not informed before that? I, I don't know, but I can share my, my thoughts on this. I think that he didn't believe or uh, didn't know until uh, the last moment. We can remember all of his statements when he scoffed at the United States uh, warnings that the war will come. Uh, he said that Western intelligence is useless. Then uh, the foreign minister, McKay, he organized even a special press conference on the February 16th when like, the United States said that the war will come, saying that, hey, hey, uh, the war hasn't uh, started, so uh, you are all uh, uh, dumb, uh, let's say. So, and, and then the war came. But how come uh, the Belarusian army itself has not been used so far? There were rumors, but they were then debunked by Zelensky himself. Why do you think this has not happened yet? I think that If Putin really wants Belarusian army to participate and to, invent, uh, and to invade, it will happen. I guess that Putin for now uh, didn't uh, really push and uh, press Lukashenko on this issue. That's why Lukashenko is trying to use this space and not to cross the other red line, which would be, uh, I don't know, destroying for, for the economy. Uh, so I think that he is trying to minimize uh, the consequences for him, for his regime and for the economy of Belarus. Thanks a lot, Rihor. Um, uh, Pavel mentioned that there's basically two versions of Belarus, the one that is pro-Lukashenko and the other one that is pro-democracy, broadly speaking. Uh, you are in charge of uh, the regular opinion polls at Chatham House about Belarusians' public opinion. What can you tell us on the insights? How do Belarusians relate to what is happening right now and broadly speaking to the idea of an aggression coming from their country or at least through their country uh, to a friendly neighbor? I think I will start with two main theses here. Uh, the first one is that how Belarus society is divided now, according if by their attitude towards the war. Uh, I think that it's pretty even division right now between people who support Ukraine and people who support Russia. And this issue is very closely connected with the media consumption of people. So those people who uh, support Ukraine, they read Belarusian independent media, uh, watch independent YouTubers, etc. On the other hand, we have people who uh, watch Russian TV, Belarusian state TV. So and this is why and they trust it. So we have a situation that if donors are listening to us, so please support Belarus independent media because it's very essential that people know the truth about what's going on uh, in Ukraine. On the other hand, if we talk about the second point, we see that actually Belarus society is very unified when they think about what should Belarus do. Uh, 
we see that actually people say that Belarus should be neutral, that it should take a neutral position. They say this that participation in a war have uh, catastrophic consequences for Belarus. People say that they expect serious economic, social problems because of the war. And they think that, well, it's very important to, to just to get out of this war. So uh, that's why I think that we have this situation when actually some people are divided about what they think about the war, but at the same time, they're very united when they think, what should Belarus do? I, unfortunately, we see that many Western media, many Western politicians now criticize Belarus, Belarus, Belarus. Belarus is a co-growth state, but we should know that actually there is another Belarus. That this is second Belarus, which is supporting Ukraine. Many people are participating in peaceful protests, despite huge wave of repressions in Belarus. We see that several Belarusians will receive criminal cases, sentences uh, against them for destruction of railway infrastructure. Is it true that it was the biggest uh, demonstration uh, on that Sunday of the referendum two weeks ago since over a year? Uh, yes, I guess so. Uh, it's very difficult in, you know, to know and to say definitely because, again, we have a problem with independent media that actually uh, it's very difficult for them to cover these stories inside Belarus. And people take huge risks, right, personally, when you go demonstrating? Yes, yes. I mean, we, with the current level of fear and depression, we shouldn't expect larger protests. Uh, and the current level of protests that we see, that at least some several hundred people were arrested. But protest is one uh, thing, but tell us maybe a bit more about the solidarity. You said many Belarusians uh, are trying to show that faith of the, the other Belarus and be supportive. What uh, what can we see? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like what we are seeing definitely in Ukraine, right? The several hundreds of Belarusian, uh, Belarusians joined the uh, uh, Ukrainian army as volunteers. This is, this is what's happening. We see that many people sent money and transfer money to people who are refugees, to Ukrainian army, etc. We see that some people who are working, uh, for example, helping people in Poland and in other countries, they are from Belarus. For example, my wife, she spends nights at, at in, in Warsaw, at the railway station, helping people who are fleeing from Ukraine. So I, I think we have a quite impressive wave of solidarity of Belarusians with Ukraine. But at the same time, it's very difficult, you know, to overshadow what's going on from the Belarusian territory. Truth to be told, you know, it's it's nice that Belarusians are helping, but at the same time, Russian Russian rockets are flying from Belarus. Yes, and uh, on the other hand, I think it is noteworthy to see that the democratic forces in exile, especially Svetlana Tsikhanovskaya, announced this big anti-war mobilization plan with a manifesto of an anti-war movement uh, calling on people to spread credible information, to raise pressure uh, on the authorities and, and military personnel in the country, and even encouraging people to join those battalions of volunteers in the country. But what we see now is uh, that Lukashenko after this yo-yoing of saying that he might be using and sending the Belarusian army or he might not, now seems to be trying to position himself again as a negotiator. Remember, these first three rounds of negotiations took place in Belarus. Pavel, what shall we make of this initiative? 
the regime is of course uncomfortable with this name as aggressor and of course it, uh, the, the, the regime doesn't want to uh, have the sanctions against it so it it tries to show the other side of the coin of uh, of itself uh, to show that it can play a positive role and to sell it uh, to bargain it with, with the west uh so maybe to compensate this uh, aggressive actions that is taking place from 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 the territory controlled by by the Belarusian authorities um, i don't think that we can even compare the situation now and what uh, Belarusian role was in 2014 when Belarus didn't recognize Crimea when it didn't support it uh, didn't support Russia's actions in Ukraine now they they are rhetorically supporting it they're saying that this operation uh of Russia is absolutely okay uh, they are helping uh, like uh, with uh, they helping Russian army uh, so um, but i i would say that this negotiations that that we have is more uh, a gift from zelensky to lukashenko and i think that this is a rational decision ukraine wouldn't like to have Uh, two enemies it's always better to have one enemy and a half of the enemy when you don't have a Belarusian army uh, that invades and tries to attack Kiev it's much better uh, and how you can uh, help not uh, uh, lead into this you you you, you can try uh, to help Lukashenko pretend in this neutral state at least and uh, agree to come to Minsk for this uh, negotiation process. So what would be your recommendations uh, for the international community then? How should they perceive Belarus? How should they deal with these two versions of Belarus? Uh, and how to react to this uh, attempt to position itself as a negotiation platform? My recommendation would be a very easy one. Please don't forget what you have been saying since August 2020. You promised to support Belarusian people, but now we see that you now recognize the Belarusian people who are the victims of the regime mostly like the the citizens of an aggressive state so I don't think that uh, this is a true approach this is the right approach uh, and this should be changed uh, the this is what is happening is not the fight between uh, Lukashenko or Zelensky and Russia, this is a fight between democracy and people who want democracy and uh, between totalitarian regimes. And in 2020, the battleground was Belarus. And we lost, I think. Now the battleground is Ukraine. All our efforts should be now uh, concentrated on helping Ukraine. But please don't forget that Belarus is also uh, the same battleground. Richard, what are your recommendations to the international community, but also to the Belarusians themselves in the country and in exile? I would like to firstly echo what Pavel has said, and I think it's very important to communicate it clearly that it's uh, Lukashenko who is a Congress and not uh, Belarusians, and it's very important to actually to explore opportunities how uh, the West can help to get out Belarus out of this war. And uh, when we speak about Belarus society, I think it, It is already showing that it, at least a significant part of it, it supports Ukraine and it should be continued and its democratic actors should be even more active. Because what we are seeing right now is that actually Belarusians are forgotten and, uh, and we will see that actually Belarusian agenda, it's like it's losing the momentum. It, it will not be important at all because there is a more serious problem here. 
And this is why I think it's very important to those democratic actors to to be engaged and to be involved. And uh, in a way, we should be a part of a broader coalition of the Western states of Ukraine who uh, fight against dictatorships. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for your time, for your expertise and for your opinions. I think overall summarizing about our question, is Belarus an aggressor state? I think it is fair to say, obviously, that Lukashenko is to be blamed for the overall situation in the country. But if we look closely, even he is reluctant when it comes to this aggression against the neighbor, trying to position himself again as a negotiator. But still, he was at least not able to prevent the Russian aggression through Belarus and has been claiming that he could send the Belarusian army into battle as well if it was, quote, needed by the Russians." Unquote. On the other hand, it is extremely important to keep in mind that there is the other Belarus, democratic Belarus, that is suffering from what is happening at the moment. People see it as a big tragedy and there's still a huge readiness to support the victims of the war in Ukraine and people are actively joining uh, the ranks of the volunteers to fight in Ukraine. So people see it as a common struggle for democracy, for freedom, for rule of law in their countries that democratic Belarusians and Ukrainians are united by. Thanks to all of you for listening in today and following our podcast. I hope you enjoy the format and we'll be back soon with another pertinent question on Belarus. Keep following us on our podcast and on our other social media channels. See you soon and goodbye.